I'm John DiLibretto, and you're hearing the Echoes podcast from PRX. Today, I've got an electronic pop artist probing the chilling realities of mental illness, but doing it with some powerful music on her album, Psychosis of Dreams. Her name is Leandro. We'll also hear the 14th icon of Echoes, Lorena McCannett. Before we get to that, let me tell you about Echoes Online, our streaming subscription music service. You can get all 10 hours of Echoes programs we produce each week, a backlog of some 30 or 40 plus programs, plus exclusive online-only streams. And you can do it all on your free Echoes app. If the public radio stations in your area are clueless or you want a more convenient listening time like whenever the heck you want, find out about Echoes Online at echoes.org. And now, Leandro talks about shock treatment, psychosis, and her mental health journey. Today, I'm talking to a musician who makes some beautiful music, but with themes that include depression, self-harm, and suicide. So if these are sensitive topics for you, please beware and come back in about 13 minutes. Psychosis, schizophrenia, and mental breakdowns have been used in music for a long time. The is on the grass. Sometimes they're used purely as metaphor like the message by Grandmaster Flash. Don't push me, cause I'm close to the edge. I'm trying not to lose my head. <laughs> Sometimes, though, these songs are drawn from actual experiences with psychosis, like the Nine Inch Nails song hurt about Trent Reznor's own depression. I hurt myself today to see if I still feel But few have approached this topic with the true life experience and naked honesty of Leandro on her album Psychosis of Dreams. Much of her three decades has been filled with psychological turmoil. She gets it all out on the album Psychosis of Dreams. I'm speaking to her on Zoom from her home in Seattle, although she spent most of her life in Southern California. Her room is bathed in a pale pink light, and Crosby looks in her computer screen with a round, cherub-like face whose dark complexion and long brown hair reflect her Philippine and Germanic heritage. 
As Crosby Morgan, she's a singer-songwriter who might be found busking on Venice Beach in California. Well, I don't really busk anymore because of COVID. Um, otherwise, that's what I would be doing. All the world is stopped. She's in Seattle now, and a different kind of music has emerged that taps into her deepest pain. I have depression, and I was also diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. You're on the border between psychosis and neurosis, and you can display like several different symptoms of those two, I guess, personas. Um, I was more on the neurotic side, so like really overthinking things, ultra-sensitive, Overthinking like interactions, getting paralyzed by the fact that I may have said something socially awkward and like going home and just like crying about it for like the next week, things like that. And then psychosis, I mean, that's the more physical or aggressive side and I would actually self-harm. It got so bad, she attempted suicide. Yes, I did twice and it's, um, I had every intention of not coming back, but I didn't do like a super surefire method. I overdosed on my medication. The first time was in high school, but I had no idea like how much painkiller I needed to take to like actually <laughs> off myself. When I finally did it the second time, um, that was pretty serious. And um, it's a, strange thing to like think that 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 was so that was heavily weighing on my mind like every single day wanting to not be here All the songs on Psychosis of Dreams reveal her journey, and while her writing is rich in metaphor, she doesn't hide her condition behind it. I like metaphor, and I like writing that way, but for this album, I really wanted to just be really overt and just spell it out for everybody, because I just want to expose it. Crosby went a long way to get to a place where she can openly talk and write about her journey, including a course of electroconvulsive therapy. The last time I was hospitalized for uh, mental health reasons. I actually did electroconvulsive therapy 
And that was something, it changed my life. It helped so much. Yeah, that was, it was an experience. And I, I know it really helped because like just things started changing after that. Electroconvulsive therapy, popularly known as electroshock treatments, aren't the quack therapy that became their reputation through films and books like One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. It's now a carefully controlled and targeted treatment. But in her song, Electroconvulsive Memory, Crosby writes that it still fries your brain. Your brain, you know, is electrocuted, so you lose memory. And I think it kind of dulled things out in a good way. <laughs> and I don't like thinking about it like that, but it's very likely that not being able to remember perfectly every single traumatic moment has benefited me. Crosby believes this treatment helped save her. Physiologically, I stopped having panic attacks. Previous to that, I was having them like, I don't know, like almost every day. And to quell that, I would use self-harm to like manage it um, and get rid of the anxiety and the panic attacks. Um, after ECT, I've had like two. It was 2011 when I was finished with my treatment. So. The panic attack stopped. There are a lot of religious references on the album, one of them in Electroconvulsive Memory. When you hear that in another song, Holiness, Crosby reveals the conflict with her religious upbringing. I was raised Catholic and I was an altar server and I was a very devout, I guess, when I was younger. And when all this started happening in college, I, I just really felt that it was harmful to me because there was this, um, this presence of guilt that I could never be perfect enough. I could never do everything right. And I was just perpetually a sinner. And I, I don't think Catholicism or, or any religion is for me. Um, but it's also so strange because like these references come up a lot because I have Catholic guilt. <laughs> I just do. Like and and like it doesn't go away somehow. It was such a large part of my life that like it just I like toying with the irony of how it influenced me and how it also destroyed me.
creating all the music on her own, Crosby Morgan has crafted a world that is at times angelic, gothic, and glistening in its electronic grooves and textures. Although she's a singer-songwriter at heart, it was electronic music that got her through her tough times. And she talks about it on the song Saved by Lizzie's Taste in Music. Her taste in music was Skrillex, Dead Mouse, Mord Fussing, Avicii. I love all that stuff. <laughs> I don't make music like that, I don't think. But I, I think what I love about EDM and other electronic subgenres is that the textures are really interesting to me and like the way things are layered like almost like in a maximalist way is really inspiring for me because I love layering like vocals especially. Psychosis has rarely been rendered with such searing beauty and chilled grace. As Leandril, Crosby Morgan wasn't just giving voice to her own inner turmoil, but inviting others to confront their own. Part of this album was to be really just honest and like, if I can do anything to make people who experience mental illness or who have extreme, you know, emotional, like, experiences I think it's kind of my job as an artist to make them feel less alone to relate to someone to like have someone relate to me um, expose the issue that I think is really important I think that's my job as an artist as an artist at this high level of musicality may be Crosby Morgan's finest job. Her album, as Leandro, is Psychosis of Dreams, and it's out now. I'll have a link for Leandro's Psychosis of Dreams in the posting for this podcast at echoes.org. And while you're there, check out the Echoes CD of the Month Club. We pick our favorite albums every month and send them to club members. Albums this year have included Jeff Johnson, Brian Dunning's Ravenna, Steve Roach's Tomorrow, and in May 2021, London Grammar's Californian Soil. Go to echoes.org, read our review, and check out the Echoes CD of the Month Club. That's echoes, E-C-H-O-E-S dot org, O-R-G. In fact, Lorena McKennett, who we will hear next, has had two CD of the Month picks, but honestly, she should have had about five or six. I think you'll agree when we hear this profile of the 14th icon of Echoes. There are some artists who crystallize a sound, and Lorena McKennett is one of them. Her early albums rode the first crest of the Celtic wave, and then she jumped off and created her own world fusion. 
culminating in albums like The Book of Secrets, The Mask and Mirror, and An Ancient Muse. Lorena McKennett helped ignite the harp revolution and found a convergence in world music, the New Age, Celtic music, and singer-songwriters that few have replicated. She is the 14th of 30 Icons of Echoes. I've interviewed Lorena many times, pretty much for every album she's put out since The Visit in 1991. Kimberly Haas goes Inside the Belfry with Lorena McKennett. Lorena McKennett's music has the feel of an ancient monastery with stone walls, stained glass windows, and chilled, silent air. That shouldn't be surprising, because that's almost exactly the atmosphere in which she creates a lot of her music, a church belfry in Stratford, Ontario. As she moves about her studio, the evidence of her trips around the world lie about like the relics of a global attic. And this one instrument, the oud here, is the oud that I brought back from Morocco, but clearly it was built for a different climate than this climate as it's kind of fallen into itself. This was the first boron that my friends gave me when I was in Winnipeg in, 19, in the late 70s when I first got interested in Celtic music. Uh, this is a canoon that I bought in Istanbul that I play on the first on the prologue track. Lorena McKennett has become a world traveler in her life and in her music. Yet whether she's at her home on the west coast of Ireland or communing in the deserts of Morocco, the music she brings back is wholly original. Born in Canada, Lorena McKennett was going to be a veterinarian before she immersed herself in the music of the Celtic Isles. That's how she discovered the harp. Particularly a recording called uh, The Celtic Harp Renaissance by a harper from the Brittany region of France called Alan Stivell. And when I heard that recording, I was very much smitten by the sound that was created by the harp. She got a harp and in 1985 produced her first record, Elemental. She sold the album by working as a street musician in the St. Lawrence Market in Toronto. Oh, for the busking days. When I had lived in Toronto off and on uh, for a few years, one of my favorite stops was to go to uh, a wonderful market on Saturday morning. So I thought, fine, I'll bring the harp down to the St. Lawrence Market and busk or play on the street and see if I can sell a few of these tapes. In fact, she sold out of the first pressing of Elemental. Lorena McKennett's music began attracting attention across Canada, and she recorded two more albums on her own Quinlan Road label. But it was The Visit in 1992 that brought her to a worldwide audience. The Visit is a haunting recording, mixing her rich soprano voice with Celtic melodies and the drones of the Indian tambora. 
McKennett believes there's a historical and spiritual connection between Celtic and Indian music. Essentially, the older structures of music were based on three ingredients, and that each of these uh, actually represented something deeply uh, philosophical and, in some regards, spiritual. The rhythmic section was sort of the pulse of life. The drone section sort of uh, represented the universality of uh, life, and then the line that would go off in its own would be would represent the individualistic element of life. Ever since the visit, Lorena McKennett has been following musical and spiritual connections around the world. Her follow-up album, The Mask and Mirror, was steeped in mysticism and followed her Celtic roots down through Spain and Morocco. The mystic dream is the signal piece of The Mask and Mirror. It was to try to create a setting, a period landscape as well, and the Gregorian chant type of approach certainly set a more medieval kind of uh, setting. I was also interested in weaving in some motifs that were more Celtic as well as Middle Eastern to, to illustrate the commonalities of those, those musical elements. I wanted to create a piece that, at least in the very least, touched upon the, the subjects of mysticism as well as the Sufis and the, the similarities between those two groups. Beyonce was killed in a boating accident in 1998. Lorena McKenna took eight years off from performing and recording. When she returned in 2006 with her CD, An Ancient Muse, it was as if she picked up at exactly the next note and beat from where she left off. Composing for a global orchestra and drawing from historical figures like Marco Polo and writers like W.B. Yeats, Lorena McKennett seems like a woman who'd prefer to live in another time. But she says her interest in the past has a deeper import. Devoting myself to our universal themes that are not really restricted to a particular place or time. I'm really fascinated to know what makes people tick uh, and what potential lies within the human uh, condition. I've used my, my music uh, as a vehicle to explore a lot of those subjects. Lorena 
Lorena McKennett embodies the bardic tradition in music, traveling the world and bringing back tales from foreign lands. Only in her case, she brings back the music as well, transformed into a global hybrid centered by her soaring voice. bringing us a profile on Lorena McKennett, the 14th icon of Echoes. Since we record this piece 10 years ago, Lorena made a return to her Celtic roots and then in 2018 she released an album compiled of older, unreleased songs, many of them newly recorded, called Lost Souls. She's been much less prolific in the last decade than the previous three, but she remains the 14th icon of Echoes. We've put up her last Echoes live performance online. You can hear it at echoes.org or in your Echoes app. Next week on the Echoes podcast, the ambient music side of NPR's Bob Boylan and the 15th icon of Echoes, Ludovico Ainaudi. I'm John DiLiberto. This has been the Echoes podcast from PRX. See you next week, tonight on the radio somewhere in the country or at Echoes Online right now or whenever you want. <laughs>